Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. The FT Money Show is sponsored by Squarespace. Squarespace provides everything you need to create an exceptional website for your business or hobby for around £5 per month. Start your free trial today and enter the code MONEY to save 10%. Whatever your idea is, build it beautiful on Squarespace. To have and to hold, to love and to cherish, till death do us part. As the summer wedding season approaches, more and more of us are insisting on a prenup before we walk down the aisle. In this week's FT Money Show, we ask what London can learn from Berlin as the Germans introduce rent controls to tame the city's booming property market and examine the apparent shambles in the introduction of pensions freedoms as tens of thousands of savers experience difficulties unlocking their cash. Welcome to The Money Show, the FT's most popular weekly podcast. I'm Claire Barrett and I'll be giving you all the week's money news in downloadable form with the help of my FT colleagues Jonathan Ely, Josephine Cumbo and Jane Croft, plus our special studio guest this week, Camilla Baldwin, the eminent divorce lawyer. London is fast becoming the world's divorce capital, with the High Court playing host to high-profile high net worths battling over the division of their assets. Outside of the celebrity circus, FT Money this week looks at the role of the prenuptial agreement, or prenup, in modern marriage. Considering the high number of marriages that now end in divorce, is this a sensible piece of financial pre-planning before couples walk down the aisle? Or, considering that UK prenups are not legally binding, an avenue for the legal profession to profit by? I am joined in the FT studio by Camilla Baldwin, partner at the eponymous legal firm which specialises in family law. Camilla, thank you very much for joining us today. For those listeners who are thinking of tying the knot, explain the difference between something that's legally recognised and, and legally binding. So we're getting a, a body of case law building up, but essentially a, a court doesn't have to recognise a, a prenup, whatever it says. No, uh, well, the law's changed. In 1929, there was a case called Hyman and Hyman when the court held that a wife shouldn't be able to barter away her future maintenance rights. And for a long time, prenuptial agreements were held to be contrary to public policy. Right. But in the 1990s, I've been practising since 1992, in the 1990s, there have been increasingly a body of cases where if the parties freely entered into a prenuptial agreement, it was properly negotiated, they both had independent legal advice, they gave proper financial disclosure, particularly where one of the parties had significant inherited wealth from his or her family, or it was a second marriage, especially in childless marriages, they were more and more taken into account. And then and then there was this landmark case in 2010 where the court said they should be um, enforceable, effectively. So last February, in the Law Commission produced a report saying that they felt they should be binding and enforceable, but that hasn't been picked up. There's no draft bill. 
and no interest in it. But that's certainly the legal direction of travel. So yeah. for those who are considering it, how much in ballpark terms could it cost to draw up a prenup? Well, if it's a pretty basic nuts and bolts prenup, it could cost anything up to £5,000. But if there are multiple jurisdictions and more often than not, it's it's one of the parties' family has a significant amount of money and you have the parents involved in the negotiations, which often happens, it can cost anything up to £100,000. Phew, probably more than the wedding. I'm going to bring in Jane Croft, the FT's courts correspondent, to the debate at this point. Now, Jane, you've written the FT Money Cover feature this week on this this very issue, and you've been asking lots of lawyers about their experiences in this field, including Camilla, and found that often it's the parents of the happy couple who insist on the prenup. Yeah, that's often the case. If there's a lot of inherited money, it often seems to be the parents that tell their sort of, um, you know, the, the, the young couple, you really should sign a prenup to protect any wealth that they're going to inherit in the future. So often there is a lot of pressure from parents, but there's also a growing number of, 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 of spouses who are both earning good money, who basically want to go into the partnership as, as equals and then basically want to sign a prenup to ensure that the money that they've um, perhaps built up before the marriage is protected. And the thought of your parents and in-laws um, interfering before your marriage, not even in the wedding arrangements, as is commonly the case, to um, get one party to agree to, to a deal that may or may not be in, in their best interest. I mean, is it unknown for relationships to actually end before the marriage takes place? I think there have been cases where that has happened. But you've got to remember, I mean, the parents are often trying to protect inherited wealth and trying to protect their their, their sort of children and ensure there's no gold diggers that are trying to basically lay claim to any wealth that, you know, they might inherit. So it seems quite commonplace. Anything to add? Yes, no, that's right. Well, this week, actually, uh, we were negotiating a prenuptial agreement and it was the wife who had a lot of money that she inherited from her mother and her grandmother. And... Her mother's husband, i.e. her father, had entered into a prenuptial agreement and everybody was happy with that and they'd been married for 35 years and then the fiancé wouldn't refuse to enter into one so the marriage has been called off. Gosh, well, what price happiness. And finally, Jane, you've also found some very unusual clauses being inserted in some prenups. Yeah, Tell I hasten to add, those. they're not usually in the English prenups, but certainly in the US where prenups are more commonplace. Some lawyers have been telling me about all kinds of sort of clauses. Um, one apparently included a maximum weight clause, whereby if a spouse weighs more than a certain amount of weight, that individual gets fined. Um, other prenups... <laughs> That would have blown my marriage. <laughs> <laughs> other prenups covered things like the minimum times um, couples should have sex each week. One prenup even specified a spouse should provide four home-cooked meals per week, otherwise there'd be a reduction of the household shopping allowance. And there's also prenups that cover things like who gets the pets after divorce and all kinds of things like that. Well, a, a thorny field indeed. Thank you very much Camilla and Jane for joining us in the studio today. Still to come on the FT Money Show, we'll be looking at claims this week that newfound pensions freedoms are being denied to tens of thousands of irate savers. Before that, this week sees the welcome return of my predecessor, Jonathan Ely, to FT Money's serious money slot in what we hope will be a regular monthly column. The Labour Party's proposals for rent controls and a ban on letting agents' fees were roundly lambasted as a bad idea and comprehensively rejected by the electorate. Yet Germany has just introduced a package of measures that look very similar, without too much gnashing and wailing, a subject that Jonathan gets his teeth into in his column this week. So, Jonathan, what exactly have the Germans done? 
Well, uh, on June the 1st, which was barely three weeks after the Labour Party was annihilated in the UK general election, the German government introduced a thing called the Mietpreisbremse, which uh, literally translated means rental price break. And what that is, is a cap on the uh, amount of rent that can be charged on a new tenancy in certain sort of hotspots cities such as uh, Berlin or Hamburg, Munich uh, and Dusseldorf. And basically what that says is that uh, the rent on a new tenancy uh, cannot be more than 10% above the local benchmark rent. Uh, and that is a whole other sort of set of calculations. Yes, because the the German uh, property market is already one of the world's most regulated, so you could question why they need this extra piece of regulation. Indeed, the current regulation has been around since the early 1980s. is called the, the, the Meet Spiegel, or Rental Mirror, and what that is is a, is a sort of index of local rental values. Uh, and uh, on an existing tenancy, the rent cannot be more uh, than the benchmark value. So, for instance, um, a 60-square-metre apartment in Frankfurt, built between 1978 and 1994, should cost €7.92 per square metre per month. It is that precise. Uh, and for anyone renting in London, rather painfully, that's about €475 Euros a month. Renting wow. in Germany is much cheaper. Let's all move to Germany. I mean- and the reason they've done this now is because... Um, um, historically, German property prices have been very, very stable. In real terms, they barely rose for years. But of course, uh, in Germany, as everywhere else, an, in, uh, an era of very low interest rates has led to investors chasing yield. Uh, the result is that property prices have uh, gone up. In fact, last year, the Bundesbank itself warned that property prices in many cities are overvalued. That, of course, is putting pressure on rents. And the German government felt that people needed protecting from from the impact of rising rents. Well, all very sensible arguments, but could such rules be made to work over here? Well, uh, when you uh, listen to the property industry and, and the, the sort of buy-to-let industry in the UK, uh, you hear two uh, common objections. Uh, one is a practical objection, and that's that the structure of the market in the UK is very different from the structure of the market in Germany. Most Germans rent their homes, whereas most Brits own theirs. And uh, rent the private rented sector in the UK is dominated by housing associations and by individuals, uh, buy-to-let landlords, of whom there are well over a million now uh, in the UK. By contrast, in Germany, most uh, residential properties are owned by big companies who specialise in renting out residential properties. For instance, uh, Deutsche Annington, uh, which is the biggest operator, owns over 200,000 flats in Germany and it's uh, it's traded on the stock market. It's worth £7.2 billion. Pounds. And um, so it is a very structurally different market uh, and, and rent controls might not work as well uh, in the UK as they do in Germany. But there's a, a sort of there's a philosophical objection that's often raised in the UK as well. And that is that the government has no business interfering in the workings of a private market. Now, uh, my view is that that's all very well, uh, but if you uh, take that to its logical conclusion, then all those government interventions in the housing market that benefit landlords and that benefit homeowners should also be curtailed. For instance, uh, help to buy is an enormous government subsidy to the housing market. Oh, and mortgage interest relief. Mortgage interest relief. When you sell your uh, primary home, you don't pay any capital gains tax on those profits. If you sell any other asset, of course, you pay capital gains tax above uh, a certain level. Uh, you can deduct, if you're a landlord, for instance, in the UK, you can deduct um, your your 
uh, mortgage interest from your tax bill. There are many, many ways in which the state in Britain interferes in the housing market. Most of them, of course, are to the benefit of existing landlords and property owners. So not surprisingly, perhaps, you don't hear many calls for them to be scrapped. No, but I mean, even buy-to-let landlords have children, frankly, and that's really what's uh, getting us all to think um, about the, the levels of rents in the London property market. We'd love to hear from you if you have anything to say on this subject. You can get in touch with us at FT Money via Twitter, um, on at FT Money or comment on the bottom of Jonathan's article, um, which is free to read this week on FT.com. Thank you very much, Jonathan, former editor of FT Money and now Lex columnist for the FT, for joining us today. Following April's pensions freedoms, the popular press has been full of hype and headlines this week that thousands of savers are being denied the freedom to access their pension pots. I'm now joined by the FT's pensions correspondent, Josephine Cumbo, to explain what's been going on. Josephine, welcome to the show. What are the problems that people have been experiencing in these first few weeks of freedom? The main problems are clear, are people getting access to the cash the way they want it, and then hitting administrative, legal and financial barriers on the way to getting their cash. So essentially, um, those are the three key problems. So the government's promised, um, in essence, that savers could use their savings like a bank account, but lots of them have found this week that that promise is not ringing true. No. Um, the insurance industry uh, for decades was geared up to deliver um, pension cash as income and not as flexibly as the government has described it uh, to be like a bank account. So the industry over the past 12 months has has had to update their systems to adjust to the new world where people will be able to access their cash flexibly. What has happened and what we're seeing now in the first uh, couple of months of the Freedoms is that some insurers have have got over the line and are offering those new ways to take cash either as a lump sum or draw it down, but others just haven't got, they're not offering that full flexibility to their customers. And we should stress that it's very much the minority um, of firms that are not offering these Freedoms and that the Freedoms when they were introduced were um, not legally binding requirements, they were merely guidelines for the industry? Well, the industry wasn't required to update the systems. The government did not say to them, you need to update your systems to allow customers to take cash, either, you know, draw it down when they want to, or take it as a lump sum. Um, All it said to them was that customers can transfer out if you don't offer them the full suite of freedoms. So what we've found is that, yes, as you're right, the majority of providers will allow their customers um, flexible options, but there are a couple who who aren't being uh, offering a full suite of freedoms. Now, you've written in FT Money this week um, explaining um, a detailed how-to feature about what to do if your provider doesn't offer the options that you want for your cash. I mean, briefly, what can you do if okay. you're in that situation? What we're finding is that most providers are offering a couple of options, either to take your income um, flexibly, which is, makes sense. Uh, if you take it in one hit as a cash lump sum, you're going to take uh, probably hit with a big tax charge. So it's good if you've got yeah. a, a provider that's going to offer you a drawdown option. Um, all providers have to give you the option, allow you to take your cash out as a lump sum. But going back one step, if you do that, you'll get the tax hit. If you find that your provider isn't offering you flexible ways to take your cash, either drawing it down as an income or, or, or partial withdrawals to manage your tax situation, you can request to transfer out. And on the way out, that's where um, you know costs can be incurred. So that's where customers are getting very frustrated and disappointed that some providers are not offering them 
the, the, the option to do that without transferring out. Well, a situation that we will continue to keep a firm watching brief on in the pages of FT Money. Thank you very much to Josephine, the FT's pensions correspondent. Now, we'd love to know what you think about pension freedoms, prenups, property or money matters more generally. You can get in touch with us via email. Our address is money at ft.com or you can tweet us at at FT Money. And you can leave comments at the foot of individual articles on our website at ft.com slash money. There's just time to tell you what else is in this week's edition. Merrin, Somerset Webb, tells us why she loves getting cold calls. Our tax specialist, Adam Palin, hits the road looking um, at motoring taxes. And as usual, we have share tips from our sister publication, The Investors Chronicle, and the latest director's deals. The FT Money Show will be back next week, but for now, it's goodbye from me, Jane, Josephine, Jonathan, and our studio guest, Camilla Baldwin. Thanks to Squarespace for support of this podcast. Some of the top creative professionals in the world use Squarespace's simple yet powerful platform to build their brands online. Start your free trial today and enter the code MONEY to save 10%. Whatever your idea is, build it beautiful on Squarespace. For more downloads, go to ft.com forward slash podcasts. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.